Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to Redemption Press author, Sherry Cullison, and her new book, SOS, A Mother's Story of Survival, Rescue, and Hope in the Darkness of Teen Suicide. In 1999, Sherry walked the dark path of grief after her teenage daughter chose to end her life. And God brought healing to her grieving heart and to the point where she now connects with others individually and with various groups on overcoming devastation and loss. She and her husband, Ray, have counseled teens and families and nationally on overcoming life's major storms. She is a contributor for Out of the Overflow and has published various articles and newsletters and has a family of two children and seven grandchildren living in Northwest Arizona. So you are gonna love this story. So let's roll that tape. Well, Sherry, it is a delight to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. Oh, you bet. So I, before I jump into the questions about your new book, I would like to just give our audience a little bit of a sneak peek how God works behind the scenes in your life. We've all got different stories of where he's taken our uh, a really hard situation and actually really worked it for good. He does that's his business. He is in the Romans 828 business and I would just love to hear one of the many stories in your life that where you just didn't see how he could bring good out of it and just share how he did that. Okay, well in 1999, my husband and I came home and found our youngest daughter, our 14-year-old daughter, Sarah, um, found her in our home, and she had taken her own life. Um, our world just basically spun out of control. Um, we've, I felt immediately like darkness had engulfed me. And um, we went through a lot of different grief emotions for a period of time. And every once in a while, we still do. So, but what I like to share a little bit with you about today is how God miraculously has saved literally thousands of lives because of the story of Sarah. Wow. Um, the title of my book is SOS, A Mother's Story of Survival, Rescue, and Hope in the Darkness of Teen Suicide. Mm. Now, my, my book does mention about the, the way my daughter passed away. And uh, what I do want to 
foremost mention is that the book has a lot of bad news, but you know what? The book has a lot of good news. And so what I want to share today with you is this full circle of how God worked in our lives. And it might've been just a very minute um, moment or that was extremely powerful. And of course he worked through others um, through each one of us, every member of our family. And of course, in just my own little private intimate time with him. So powerful. Um, a couple of years after uh, Sarah had passed away, um, there was an evangelist that came to our church to teach a revival. And his name is Jay Louder. And he's with Harvest Ministries. And uh, Jay came to teach the revival. And, of course, his his method and theme of his speaking is, um, especially when he speaks to school, is primarily about um, talking to kids about drugs and alcohol and suicide and all of these different things that the kids struggle with. And... Um, so that was kind of the theme around his his revival this these few days. Anyway, we met up with Jay and we spent a lunch with him and it was just phenomenal phenomenal how God showed up in that meeting. Um we told him Sarah's story and by the time we were done he asked us, um can I use Sarah's story? when I go out speaking and we said, of course you can, sure, whatever will help others. And so uh, Jay has kept in contact with us and um, literally there have been thousands of lives that have, that have changed, have been encouraged, given hope, uh, changed towards the decision of accepting Christ into their heart. And, um, and, and just this, story of how God worked in our lives has literally just it's it's a miracle to us it's just amazing how he has brought good Mm. out of a bad situation and I mean it sounds like that devastating loss launched you and your husband into a whole new ministry yes it did um it just, I would say probably within a couple of months after Sarah passed away, we actually had parents coming to us saying, my child is suicidal. What can I do? Mm. So he has expanded our ministry into whether it's parents struggling with children or even children coming to us struggling with their own lives. And and a lot of other just people that have lost loved ones, but others that have lost loved ones have come to us asking us, how did you do it? Mm. What can I do? You know, I'm not sure how to get through this. Can you help me? Wow. So it has been a tremendous door that the Lord has opened for us. Mm. And that is the epitome of Romans 8:28, where it can use something that devastating for such good wow i yeah yeah, i love that and i love how there you know 
our pain is never without purpose. And boy, it's just, uh, it's awe-inspiring to think that God could do that from something that was that tragic. So your memoir explores the theme of deep grief and loss. And grief is different for so many people. How would you describe the grieving process? I would describe it, I, I, I believe that God has developed this process of grief in such a way that our very first step, I believe, is shock. Mm -hmm. um, I remember um, feeling almost like a robot. I was doing things and just automatically reacting um, in ways that my mind just automatically kicked in to do these things. And such as, you know, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. Like I need to call 911. I need to pray with a dispatcher. Okay. I was mm -hmm. at this, I, I was on hold waiting for the police to arrive. And that dead silence is almost just like a deafening silence to where it's like, where, what do I need to do to help me through this moment of helplessness? Yeah, And so I don't even remember thinking it. It just came out of my mouth. And that's how I know that God did that through me. And I asked the dispatcher, can you pray with me? And um, it, funny enough, uh, the dispatcher said that she couldn't do that on the air, but that there was a pastor's wife in the room mm. with her that night. And she says, I will put her on and she will pray with you. So um, that's what she did. And of course, I don't remember much of anything she said, but I, I remember feeling how comforting it was. And that was just another fantastic God moment. And there are so, so many. Yeah, you mentioned the pain. And there's so many different um, areas and emotions of grief, like shame that I mm -hmm. dealt with a lot. Um, and I, I, I somehow felt I just wanted to go hide in a corner and not let anyone ever see me. It was, I felt like it was a, one of the most shameful things that I had ever experienced. But I, what I've grown to learn by growing closer to God over these few years is that he accepts me as I am. Mm. I, was a good, I was a good mother. I might have thought, oh my gosh, other people are thinking I'm not, I must not have been a good mother. Right. But I, <clears throat> excuse me, I even had my <clears throat> other two kids tell me, mom, you were a good mother. You know, so I wrestled with a lot of that shame and embarrassment and doubt. I really doubted at times my faith. Right. And if it's okay, I'd like to just read a small excerpt from the book on that. If, is that okay? At the you end? bet. You bet. Okay. Okay. I wrote, um, talking about the struggle and, and loss. I realize sometimes faith is hard. We want to work it out on our own, don't we? We want to listen to other ways of feeling better, worldly ways. 
We want to make other things our life buoy, but it's not the right way. Jesus calmed my horrific ocean. He made a way, and that way was the cross. He faced rejection, shame, bloodshed, and was crucified on the cross and died for you and for me. He chose to be our lifesaver and sacrificed his safety for us. If we let go of faith in him, we may slip back into the darkness and the danger. Let go of your struggle and hold tight to your faith. Hmm. Wow. So, so in that process of grief, there's the shock, the kind of walking through it and of being in a fog, kind of almost like this didn't really happen. Is denial like part of the shock phase? Oh, yeah. Does that come later? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, definitely. So, <laughs> Funny enough, when we found our daughter, um, it was evident what had happened. However, um, she she died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The gun was still in her hand. And she was laying flat on our living room floor and um, on her back. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, someone broke into our house and killed our daughter. We need to clear, we need to, you know, protect this crime scene was what I was thinking because I worked in the criminal justice system for 30 years. Right. So, um, um, so that was what I believed until I finally, it just, it, it just hit me, you know, so I, I was in denial thinking, oh, you know, no, this isn't a suicide. This is a homicide. You know, that's what I was thinking. So, and I think that was my denial. And we go into this, um, I dealt with a lot of anxiety and I dealt with that for a long time. And, um, but, and, and I think that's just kind of a tied up energy of grief that if you're not crying or if you're not crying out, you know, you keep all of that inside, don't you? Yeah. So, so we go through the shock and that kind of shame and feel embarrassment and then denial. And then does it kind of morph into anger? Did you go through feeling angry at God or angry at the situation? You know, um, I wasn't a fist at the sky, angry with God. I was more of a frustrated and confused anger with God. Mm. I questioned him why I was, I was being considered to be put on staff as our church's worship leader at the time. And um, so I began to understand that this was definitely a ploy by the enemy to try and destroy that. Mm -hmm. um, he tried destroying her life in order to destroy ours. Wow. And so, um, thank God <laughs> I did not allow that. <laughs> so, um, I just draw, I drew closer to God. Once I, I, I found that there was a time that I was very angry with her. And of course she was my baby. She was 14. 
she was my still my little girl, you know, didn't know anything about what was the life ahead of her ahead of her and what was the love ahead of her. She knew the Lord. Um but she didn't I don't think she understood quite the circumstances of taking her own life and what right. it does to others. So um there was an anger, yes, but as I drew closer to God, I was just I was filled with comfort. So so then and and you know, we all have a choice to either get bitter or get better and where where you could have you know fallen into that space of just anger and and pushing away from God it you did the opposite and that so that was a choice that you made but i'm sure that there to fall into anger oh yes uh-huh sure yeah um it it was a temptation um but you know, that just might be another ploy by the enemy. Oh, absolutely. Know. It is because scripture says in Ephesians, don't, you know, be angry, but don't sin. Don't go to bed exactly. on your anger, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. Love it. <laughs> so, so then, so then is there another kind of, I mean, I would think it kind of goes in cycles that you kind of go through all these emotions, uh, not just once. What's yes. after anger? Yes, I think after that, there is a tremendous, you know, you go through the whole process of, okay, we're, we're dealing with this as a family. We need to decide how this is going to affect us as a family. Um, and we, as time went on, of course, you're making arrangements, you're having services. Um, and then, and there were several events that our community was just fantastic. They, there were several events. There was a concert that was put on, uh, to help support, uh, for Sarah's loss. There was a car wash. Um, there was so many different things that people did for us. It's just the love and uh, compassion that people showed in our small town was just totally, uh, overwhelming it was just the love everyone expressed expressed so let let me take this moment just to encourage those of you listening that if you know of someone experiencing loss there's so many different ways you can help them sometimes it's just to sit and listen mm. sometimes it's just to be there let them know that you are there whenever they need you whether it and that maybe they need food maybe they need would like flowers maybe they need help washing their car whatever it may be making arrangements you know that's a way that you can help others going through the grief process but yeah. going back to your original question Athena um you know after all the hoopla kind of calms down once we got beyond all of the events and everything, guess what? Our world stops and everyone else's continues to to spin. Yep. So um, I I felt <clears throat> I felt very lonely, depressed. Yeah. yeah. Um, just overcome with the loss of my daughter. So it's like almost God carries you through this whole shock period. 
And then all of a sudden, when things die down, then, um, you know, you're going through this time of she's not at the dinner table anymore. Mm. Uh, she's not coming home after anymore. Um, you know, so she's not going to ever get married. She's mm. um, never going to have any babies, you know, that sort of thing. All these things come into your mind. Um, and that's and so, part of the yeah. grief process, isn't it? That just it is. verbalizing what you've lost. Yes, it is. Wow. It is. Um, unfortunately, the grief process is something that we have to go through. and But yet, it is also a process that brings healing. You know, it's difficult. The road is difficult. But it is a healing process. And as I wrote this book, that became a healing process, even 20 years after losing Sarah. Wow. So, so what, if you could kind of encapsulate what you hope readers will learn from your memoir, what, what would that, what would that look like? Um, I wrote this book with the desire. I have such a strong, strong desire that for a age of hope, for mm -hmm. those reading the book will not lose hope that there is always a new sunrise. And with that sunrise, God's mercies are new. Right. And so um, I just want, I wanted to encourage those who are just feeling at the very bottom of their life, what else could go wrong? Or maybe even just in one event, you know, some just to encourage them that continuing to seek God and spend time in his presence with him, that is the most uplifting and encouraging thing us grievers can ever do. I don't know that there's much of anything better. <laughs> there is no worldly answer. There is no um, rainbow at the end of the road. Yeah. The only rainbow is his promises, of course. but. I just wanted to encourage those to let them know that what they're feeling, um, that it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We'll get through this. You know, that there's, I don't, I don't want people thinking that, you know, this happened to me and I, and nothing could just be any worse. And I don't think I can go on. I just want to encourage those, whether it's experiencing a suicide loss or any loss at all, that God is just, oh my gosh, he is just amazing. He is so phenomenal. I just can't, I can't express it enough what he has done for us and what he could do for the reader. Yeah. So, so, um, if you are a person in any sort of like, let's say you're a youth group leader or, you know, you're one of those parents that has lots of the kids, your house is the house where all the kids come. What kind of questions can you ask those teens who might be contemplating suicide? Um, I think that basically the relationship needs to be an open book. I mean, you know, it's teenagers are 
are like a, a stone brick. <laughs> and what I what I mean by that is um I I taught students before and I have these second, third, fourth graders come in and they're just chitter chattery and having a good time with one another, carrying on conversation. And and these are ones that don't know each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't take long for them to like, you know, three minutes and they were all talking and <laughs> having a good time. And then I had another class of like 12 to 15 year olds and they were like a, a, a stand up stone sitting there you know, not moving a muscle, mm. <laughs> afraid that what they might do or say someone else is going to form an opinion of. And so I encourage my students, you know, you've got to just tell someone how you feel. You have to share. Um, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like you don't want to go on, we just have to encourage them to reach out to God and to reach out to another person that will help them, whether it be a youth leader, a teacher, a parent, or a pastor, whatever it may be. So, so would it help to say, you know, I've had to actually talk about your own feelings. Like sometimes I have days where I just feel so sad. I don't know what to do with it. Do you ever feel like that? I mean, is there that? Or, or is it better just ask them questions and not really talk about trying to relate? No, I think it's I think it's good to ask them questions because I think if you're within a group and they feel um, uh, like it's a, a trust group, mm-hmm. they'll open up. Yeah, I've I've had several parents come to me, like I told you, with suicidal teens mm-hmm. and. They're like, what do I do? I've tried this. I've tried that. And so sometimes it is just taken my husband or I to come in and, and sit with them, the, the teen and the parent, and talk with them. And sometimes a teen will just open up, uh, you know, to someone else, not necessarily as, you know, m- more so than their own parent. Right, right. So I think it's just developing that um, that atmosphere of trust. Yes, yes. So um, I'm going to just wrap up with this question. Suicide is so tragic. If someone's listening today and they've ever contemplated suicide, what do you recommend their next step would be to ensure their safety? I would recommend, first of all, that they seek counsel um, to reach out to someone. Um, There is a crisis line that actually is in the process of being converted to a three-digit number, which I think is going to go into effect in July if I'm not mistaken, Mm. Um, you can look, you can just Google a suicide crisis line and you can reach and you can find that phone number and give them a call. Your, your, your words are confidential. Um, but anyone, I believe sometimes it just takes reaching out to a good friend, you know, saying, Hey, I'm suffering. 
um, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. I've prayed and nothing's happening, you know, that sort of thing. Sometimes, it, it, you know, it's how you feel comfortable, but not to just ignore it and avoid it right. and set it, set it to the side of you or in front of you. Because if it's in front of you, it's going to hit you in the face again and again. But if you set it, if you, if you take that step forward and reach out to someone that you can counsel with, whether it's your pastor or friend or whoever, then you can, you can step beyond that and, and try and put it behind you. Do you know, kind of know what I'm saying? Well, absolutely. And the thing about bringing, you know, as we walk in the light, you know, there's scripture about when we confess how we're doing that sometimes that's such a huge step to take that it, once you get it out of your head and you actually verbalize it, it's, there's just something about what God does with at that point and kind of, I get, I guess just breaks down the walls when you start mm -hmm. to actually admit you're struggling and ask for help. Yes. Yes. I, I totally, I totally agree. Um, there's been many times in my life that I've been extremely depressed and, um, I, I'm always, was always an introvert and I always kept my emotions inside, you know, so it's taken me time that I've grown in my walk with the Lord to a point where, okay, well, yes, I talked with you, but you know, some Times we just need to reach out and talk with someone else. And of course, like you said, the scripture, the scripture, um, when we first lost Sarah for the first probably three months, I couldn't even hardly read beyond two verses of Psalms. Mm. It was just, I was so, uh, so uh, just churning with emotion and, and my focus and my, even my reading I felt like, you know, I needed glasses or something. I just, I just, I was just overwhelmed with this anxiety and, and it's uncontrollable sometimes. Sometimes we can control it and sometimes we can't. It yes. just comes on and we just have to take it a step at a time. And so there were times I just could only read one or two verses of a psalm and that was it for my quiet time. But as we dive more into the word, we're going to know more about him and that is going to help bring you closer to him mm. so good so good so if we have uh listeners right now that would like to just connect with you online or on your website whatever tell us the best place to do that yes they can um my website is sherryjcollison.com which is S H E R R I, the letter J and C U L L I S O N.com. That's the best way they can contact me. And of course, that information is in the back of the book as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. What an amazing story of God's faithfulness and his goodness to allow that just loss and just and paralyzing loss to allow you to pour into so many people and just the ripple effect just blows my mind so 
God bless your ministry and all that God has put you through you. Thank you, Athena, so you much. Very good to talk to you. You too. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.